Jesus, Messiah, Son of God and Son of Man, born to save the world. He walked a road of suffering and pain. From his entrance to the city, to the table, and to the garden, and to the cross, the road he walked was filled with those who misunderstood and rejected him. What sort of king would serve his own subjects? What sort of God would allow himself to be mocked and beaten? What sort of victor would forgive the ones who crucified him? The answers we find lead us to a love deeper than any other, because the road to the cross didn't end at the cross. It continued to the grave, to the mountainside, and it continues as we carry the good news of the greatest love to the world, the love we first saw on the road to the cross. I am so glad that you are here with us with Element Church Tampa here online. I am Melody, I am one of the pastors at Element and it is my joy and honor to be with you guys this morning in this new experience for all of us. Um, these are interesting times and so we are all doing our best to figure out what the church looks like in this season and how we can come together. And you know, I was scrolling through Facebook this morning and it's just so beautiful to see church after church after church online doing their thing, doing their beautiful thing with their people this morning. And it's it feels really unified. It feels really beautiful. And so whether you are an elementor or whether you are just joining us on Facebook or YouTube, uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, it's gonna be a beautiful morning. So um, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna jump in. God, I just thank you for your presence with us this morning in our homes or our cars or wherever we are right now. God, you are with us. You are before us. You are behind us. You are above us. You are below us. You are with us and you are within us. And we are grateful, God. And we come to you this morning in a state of unsettled uh, feelings and maybe in a state of fear, maybe in a state of confusion, or just not sure what's going on in our world or what our role is in it. And God, I just pray that you would meet us this morning with some peace, with some direction and clarity, with some wisdom, and just with your presence, God. We're thankful and we're grateful and we're grateful to do this together in the ways that we can. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So um, this is an unprecedented situation for all of us, and it's hard. It's really hard. It's, it's been really hard for me this morning to not go to our warehouse and be there. Um, it's really hard for me to not be able to see your faces and give you hugs and tell you that I love you. And um, I know it's hard for all of us. The whole world is facing a hard thing right now. But it is also beautiful. It is beautiful that we are doing this together that we are not giving up on the rhythms that keep us in sync with the Spirit of God and with each other. We're not giving up on worship and we're not giving up on prayer and we're not giving up on learning and we're not giving up on community um, and we're not giving up on love because that's what we do. And it's so, it's hard this morning, but it's also beautiful and it matters. It matters. Turning our eyes and our thoughts and our minds and our hearts away from the chaos that's kind of going on in our world right now and turning it back to Jesus matters more than we can even know or put into words. So thank you guys for being with us today. It is just me this morning, me and my family. Um, Pastor Benjamin sends his love and his thoughts and his prayers for everybody. Um, their whole family has been very sick this whole entire week. Um, we think it's just the normal flu, but they're still quarantining for the full amount of time just to be safe. So we are hoping to be able to do this from the warehouse in the near future if um, we're allowed to be out and about for such reasons. But for today, it's my family in our home. And so we're gonna do things a little bit different than we would usually do in a normal gathering as far as the sequence of events. Um, so the girls and I do have a worship song for this morning, but we are gonna do that at the end um, instead of now. So stick with us because I think it's gonna be very beautiful. Um, so we're gonna be doing things a little bit out of order. But 
I want to take a minute and welcome our kids, our e-kids to the live stream as well. Thank you guys for being here and being with us. And um, it is just so beautiful that your whole family is gathering together to be a part of this community, to turn our eyes and our thoughts and our hearts to Jesus. And so welcome. I know that I am not as interesting or as exciting as your Superbook friends, um, but hopefully there'll be something here for you guys today too. And the good news is that our eKids Council is putting together some stuff for you guys. We're going to have some midweek um, Zoom sessions with you guys to do some lessons and have some community just for our eKids. So stay tuned to Facebook and Slack for that so that you guys can all be a part of what's going to be going on for our eKids. Um, and I believe that our first midweek Zoom is going to be Wednesday evening at 630. All right, so Shayna sent me a video this week of a bunch of worship leaders around the country reading the 23rd Psalm. And it was this movement that they had started called the One Church Movement. Um, just another, another realization that we are the church. Not just this, these little isolated communities, but the whole body of Christ can unite in this situation and proclaim the name of Jesus and proclaim the truth of the one true narrative of redemption. And so these worship leaders had come together to read the 23rd Psalm. And it was so beautiful to see person after person reading pieces of it. And so we wanted to do that this morning as well as our first act of, of worship this morning to read that. So I'm going to ask my daughter Kayla to come up and she's going to read the 23rd Psalm for us. So if you guys can follow along, we're going to read this together. A Psalm of, a psalm. Psalm of David, 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me, he, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yay. Yea, through I walk the, through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you, Kayla. That was very beautiful. So, we have started our new series at Element, The Road to the Cross, and it was going to be our Easter series, and it still is our Easter series, um, taking the time to slow down and look at the life of Jesus in the last week of his life as he was approaching his death. And, you know, at first I didn't know how pertinent this conversation would be to what's going on in our world right now, and we talked about pivoting, um, kind of changing and talking about how then shall we live in these times and talking about keeping our minds and our hearts in healthy places and talking about being the church um, to those who are really struggling right now. And we're going to get there for sure. And we might take some Sundays here in the very near future to do that. We're definitely going to be having that conversation throughout the week. Um, so please keep checking our social media and our website so that you can stay plugged into that content because it is really important to, to think and pray about where our minds and our hearts need to be right now and how we can be the church. So we're gonna get there. But today, as I was, as I was preparing this week um, for this message, I realized how pertinent this conversation really is. And I remembered that before we can really um, muster our own strength to weather this storm well, and before we can really spread the love of Jesus outward, we, we first need to look to him. We first need to look to him and we need to um, receive his peace. We need to receive his peace because from that place, we can do all of the other things. We can manage our homes well, we can manage our families well, we can manage our finances well, we can manage our media intake well, and we can manage the way that we love others well from that place of peace. So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to keep looking at this story of Jesus because I think we're going to find something really, really beautiful in this story. And I think there are three reasons that this conversation is coming at the perfect time. The first one is, like we learned last week, 
that the most important thing we can do in any circumstance is look to Jesus. The most important thing we can do in our life of faith as a whole is look to Jesus because as we do and as we see him and as we know him and as we realize that he lives in us, then he begins to transform us. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that we have to keep the big picture in mind, right? As we're facing this situation that's literally going to transform our world, and this is going down in the history books, we will be telling our children and our grandchildren about this experience one day and about how this pandemic changed society. And I pray that it's going to change for the better. I believe that it can. And I'm excited to have a conversation with you guys about what that change could look like and how we could be a part of it, right? But we don't want to get so focused in our current circumstances that we forget the big picture. We forget the one true narrative of redemption, that we forget the story of Jesus that we're all a part of and that this is only one little piece of. So the second reason that this is important is because we're looking at the big picture. And then the third one is that this Easter story is timelier than we think. And I think we're going to see that today. Because what we're looking at in this Road to the Cross series is the story of a man walking towards the scariest experience that one could have. He's walking towards torture and pain and death. He's walking towards betrayal and hurt and loneliness. And so as we witness the way that Jesus walks towards this story, we're going to learn how we can walk. And I'm not saying that we're, what we're going through is as extreme as what Jesus went through. It's not right? We're, we're facing some inconveniences personally. Maybe we're facing some sickness. I pray not. Um, there are people in our country and in our world who are facing serious illness, right? But for most of us personally, what we're facing is just a lot of fear and unknown and uncertainty. And so that's not quite the same thing as Jesus was facing in this last week. But I think we can learn from him. I know we can learn from him. And so that's what we're going to do today. So we're, today, we're going to look at the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think most of us have heard this story before, but I think today, specifically because of what we're facing right now, I think we can look at it in a little bit different way. I think we can look at it a little bit closer and find some really beautiful things. Because this story is where Jesus really gets vulnerable with his emotions, right? We see a lot of feelings and and emotion coming from Jesus. And it's really important for us to see that and realize that that is a way that we can know him more intimately. And it's a way that we can know that it's okay when we feel those things too, right? So we're going to read the story this morning out of two different translations and listen along. And then we're going to make some points about it. And that's going to be what we do today. So this story comes right after the Last Supper, which is what we learned about last week, which is when Jesus brought his 12 disciples to the upper room and he washed their feet and he told them what was about to happen. And then they took communion together, the bread and the wine to signify the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make, right? And in that upper room, Jesus already told Judas that he knew he was going to betray him. And he gave so much beautiful instruction to his disciples before he left. But then the very next thing Jesus did after he left that upper room, after he left that gathering with his disciples, was he went to the garden to pray. So we're going to read what happened. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 26. <clears throat> it says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. So he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then Jesus left them and prayed, my father, if this cup 
cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up and let's be going. My betrayer is here. Now we're going to look at one other little part of a passage in Luke to kind of get a full picture of what was going on. So in Luke 22, it says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. So this is the story. This is what we know about Jesus in the garden. And I remember as a little girl, my grandma used to tell me this story. It was one of her favorite stories. She told it to me a lot. And I would remember her frustration as she would tell me about how Jesus would keep asking the disciples to pray with him. And she would tell me how sad and brokenhearted Jesus was as he prayed. And you know, I didn't really like this story very much as a kid. I don't like it. I didn't like to hear about Jesus being sad. I didn't like to hear about Jesus sounding weak. And I didn't like to hear about the disciples who fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying with him. I just, the story unsettled me when I was a kid. And I think the reason why is because I always like to think of Jesus as just strong and peaceful, no matter what. Like he was just unshakable, right? I mean, he was God. He was the son of God. And so how could he be feeling all of these things? And I, I didn't like it. It unsettled me because I think I really valued courage and strength. Courage and strength. And I didn't necessarily see those things in this story when I was young, right? And I wondered, why was Jesus so afraid? Because he knew the end of the story. So why was he afraid, right? As I've grown up, it's become one of my favorite stories of Jesus. And maybe it's because I've learned that courage and strength don't look like what I used to think that they looked like. I think I used to think they looked like if you're going to be courageous and strong, then you just stick all your feelings in a box and you don't show them to everyone and you just put on a brave face and you do the thing that you're supposed to do. That seems like courage and strength, right? But as I've grown up, I've realized that doesn't work very well if you just stuff all your feelings in a box, right? Because eventually they kind of tend to explode out on the people that you love and hurt you and hurt the people you love, right? And that's not what Jesus really ever did anyways. Actually, as, as you look and study the life of Jesus, he was always pretty clear on how he felt about things, wasn't he? He did not box up emotions. He was very expressive with them. And this time is no different. But this is one of the stories where we really get to see it. We really get to see his anguish, right? And I think we get to also see his courage and his strength. They come from a way deeper, truer place than just putting on a brave face. Because the place that they come from is an honest place. A place that looks at all of these feelings and still chooses to walk that road, right? That seems way more brave to me. That seems way more strong to me, right? So what we're going to do today for the next few minutes is we're going to look at the feelings that we see Jesus displaying. And then we're gonna look to see what he does about those feelings. Because like I said, you guys, we're gonna, we're gonna be talking soon about how do we respond to this pandemic? What, what changes is this gonna make in our lives? What changes is this gonna make in our world? And how are we going to 
show the love of, of God? How are we going to be the hands and feet of Jesus? How are we going to share the gospel in this time? And all of that is important. But if we don't stop first to ex explore our own feelings about the situation, then we're just going to be putting on a brave face. And I don't want to just put on a brave face. I want to actually be brave. I want to actually be strong. And the way that we do that is by following the example of Jesus. It's by looking at Jesus, right? So that's what we're going to do today for just a few minutes. So first we're going to look at what feelings we see Jesus wrestling with in this passage. What feelings do we see? The first thing I think we see is fear and anxiety, right? Fear and anxiety. Yeah, Jesus is afraid, right? Anxious even. It says that he became anguished and distressed. That sounds like fear and anxiety to me. And those are strong words. Jesus isn't just sad about what's about to happen to him. He's afraid and anxious, right? Because he does not want to go through this. He does not want to go through this, right? And I always used to think, well, but love is stronger than fear. So why is he letting this fear get the best of him in this moment, right? Doesn't he love the world enough not to be afraid? And doesn't he trust in the victory that's coming enough not to be anxious? But I love this story because it shows us that it's okay to be afraid or anxious about scary things that are going on in our lives. Even Jesus was. Even Jesus said he didn't want to go through hard things, right? Even when you know that everything will work out for the best, right? Jesus knew. Jesus knew the end of the story. But he still had those feelings because it's normal and it's human to have them, right? I think that we're all feeling a little bit of fear and anxiety right now. And maybe it's just a small degree of it, right? I think most of us are remaining pretty positive, which is good. This is going to be okay. This might take some time to, to work through, but it's going to be okay. And our country is going to recover and our world is going to recover. And we might even find ways to be better because of it, right? But we're still feeling a little fear and anxiety because there's hard things. There's hard things right now that we're facing. And it can be a lot scarier when we start listening to the media a lot. And it can be a lot scarier when we forget the big picture. When we forget the one true narrative of redemption. But when we look to Jesus, we see it's okay to be real. It's okay to be real. So if you are feeling fear or anxiety today, I would encourage you to tell God about it, to tell someone about it, to not box up those feelings, but to just be honest about them. Because when we can do that, we can work through them. And that's what we're gonna see here, right? You are not alone with those feelings, okay? Speaking of alone, I think that's the next thing that we see in this passage that Jesus is feeling. I think we see loneliness loneliness, don't we? And this is a sad part of this story. I don't like it. I just want to go there and pray with Jesus myself because it makes me sad that the disciples couldn't stay awake to pray with him. But he, he doesn't want to be alone. He does not want to be alone. And you know, it says that Jesus often went to this garden to pray. This was a normal practice that he had. Frequently he would go, frequently he would go all kinds of places alone to pray. But frequently he would come to this exact garden. But this time he took some disciples with him. He said, watch and pray with me, right? Because he didn't want to be alone. He didn't want to be too far from them. In fact, it said that he went a stone's throw away. How far can you throw a stone? Not very far. Maybe a little bit farther than our six-foot social distancing rule at this time, right? But not very far. Not farther than you can see, right? Jesus wanted his disciples to be that close to him because he did not want to be alone. We're made for community. We're made for connection. And this night, Jesus did not want to be alone, right? But they couldn't stay awake with him. They couldn't stay awake with him. And it kind of breaks my heart because this was their last chance to be together before he was taken away. Before This is right before the soldiers came. The very next verse is when Judas comes and betrays Jesus. So this was their very last chance to be together. And Jesus keeps saying, will you, will you pray with me? Will you stay awake with me? And they, they can't, right? And Jesus felt so lonely that night. He did, right? He comes back to them three different times to wake them back up and ask them to be with him, right? And that, I think, is the worst 
sort of loneliness, when you are somewhat close to the people you love, but there's a connection that's been broken. There's a connection that's been broken. And it's like they're right there, but they're not with you. See what I'm saying? And that is, that's like the worst sort of loneliness, right? And I think you guys are feeling that right now in some ways. And depending on how much social distancing you've been doing, you might be feeling it to a greater or lesser degree. But as we're thinking about what are the next few weeks of our lives going to look like, I think we're all feeling that. Like my people are right there, but I can't, I can't be with them. I can't hug them. I can't look in their eyes. And that's really lonely. And I just want to say, like, it's okay to feel that. Jesus felt it. He did, right? Kids, you guys are going to be out of school for a few weeks. And you're probably going to miss your friends. And you're probably going to miss your teachers. And it's okay to be real about that. And it's okay to say that you're lonely. Because in some ways, we will be. Now, in other ways, we won't be. Because we got our families all around us. And so, in some ways, it's going to be awesome, right? But in some ways, we're going to miss those people. And that's going to be hard. And it's okay if it's hard, right? For others of us, we, we miss our work friends. We miss our other friends and families that we can't get to right now. And we're definitely, it's going to be hard not to be in our warehouse for a couple weeks or maybe longer. I don't know. Like that's going to be really hard for us. And it's okay. It's okay that it's hard. Jesus felt that feeling probably way, way more than we're feeling it. Jesus did not have Facebook Live to connect with all the people. Um, but he felt it. And so it's okay if we feel it too. I think the last thing we see that Jesus feels is desperation. He's, he is in a desperate place, right? He is begging God to take this cup from him, to, to not have to go through what he's about to have to go through, right? He's about to be betrayed and tortured and killed, and he, he doesn't want to go through it. And he's begging God with anguish, please don't, don't make me do this. I don't want to yet. Not my will, but yours be done, right? But he's desperate. And it says he was in such agony of spirit that he sweat drops of blood. Now, scientists, some scientists believe that that actually means blood. Like that he was so anguished that the capillaries in his face burst and blood fell. And so this is a very desperate moment for him. Now, I don't think that we are in desperation right now at all. I think we have all kinds of hope. I think we have all kinds of unity going on. And I think we are not in a desperate place as a world, as a nation, as a community. We are not. But I think there can be times when we can feel it for an instant, right? We can feel that like, what is going on <laughs> feeling when we hear the next report or we hear the next closing or we hear the next mandate. It's like, what in the world is happening? This is crazy. And it's okay to feel that. Jesus felt it in a way, way, way deeper way right? So what did he do about it? Let's think about what he did about it because that's the really important thing to learn from this story. Let's look. What did he do? I think the first thing he did was maintain his spiritual rhythms. What Jesus did was the same thing Jesus always did. He does the same thing he always does, which is go off alone into stillness and solitude to pray and to be with the presence of God. Jesus does this over and over and over and over again. It might be the most frequent thing that he does. Jesus goes off alone to pray. And in this final night of his freedom, that's what he does again. The same thing he always does. He doesn't try to numb it away, right? By just partying in the upper room for too long, drinking too much, eating too much, just numbing away the fear and the anxiety and the loneliness and the desperation. He doesn't numb it. Nope. He does the same thing he always does. Goes off to be with God. And he doesn't try to just like achieve a little more. Like this is my last chance to go heal a few more people or to go say one more amazing sermon. Like, no, he doesn't try and achieve. He sticks with his spiritual rhythms and he goes off alone to pray. And he doesn't try... He doesn't freak out about the way that he's feeling and find unhealthy ways to process it or sinful ways to process it. He does the same thing he always does, right? He goes to the Father. Stillness and solitude and prayer and worship. 
that's what he does because that's his practice and he sticks with it right to the end. So I encourage us in the wake of all that we're feeling to do the same, to do the same, to stick with our spiritual rhythms. In times like this, when we're facing hard things, it's easy to let those things slide. It's easy to not gather online because who's really even going to know if you're here or not. It's easy to not take the time to pray and to worship and to read the Bible and to connect with people who will keep your mind in a good place. Like it's easy to not do those things right now, but now is the most important time to do them. And it's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus himself did. So I, I implore us to do the same, right? Because if we don't choose these things, we won't find peace. If we don't enter the presence of God, we, we're not just going to pick up peace lying around in our house somewhere. Like That's where it comes from, is Christ in us. And so we have to do our part of keeping those spiritual rhythms. Silence and solitude and prayer and gathering. And if you guys are here gathering online, like I am proud of you because there's a lot of other things you could be doing on a Sunday morning on a beautiful day. Yes, maybe not all the things you could usually do, but there's plenty more than sitting here watching me from my living room. <laughs> but I'm so proud of you for doing it because you're not here for entertainment. Like I'm not that funny <laughs> and, and this production is not amazing. And you're not here for numbing because you know at Element like we're, we're way too candid for that, right? You're here because you're choosing to engage your spiritual rhythm of gathering with your community on a Sunday morning and I am proud of you for that. And I just encourage all of us to like continue with that. Continue with gathering, continue with prayer, continue with practicing the presence. Because that's what Jesus did, right? The second thing Jesus did is to find community. Now, yes, his disciples had a hard time staying awake, but he was still with them. He still invited them. He still asked them to be a part of what he was going through, right? Even though he knew, he knew that right after this, they were going to abandon him. Peter was going to deny him. They were going to say, we never knew this guy. Even though he knew that, he wanted them with him right to the end. He wanted their presence. He wanted community. He craved connection and intimacy and authenticity, just like we are all built to crave. And that's what Jesus did, right? But you know what else he did that was so beautiful with this community? Is that he responded to their inability to connect with grace and mercy and love. He did. He didn't get angry at them. If you read these words, he, he was feeling frustrated and lonely but he wasn't angry, right? He had empathy. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Meaning, I understand guys, it's the middle of the night. You've waited with me this long and your bodies are giving out on you. Your spirits are willing, but your flesh is weak. And he understood. He gave his community empathy, even in the times when he really needed them. He still gave them mercy. He still gave them grace, right? There is something very powerful in community. We are built for it. Jesus was built for it. Even facing the hardest thing he was gonna face, he gathered with his people. He shared a meal with them. He asked them to watch and pray with him because it mattered and it matters to us too. So let us not give it up in this time. Let us continue to find ways to connect and be together. It is so important. All right. The next thing we see Jesus doing is surrender, right? Surrender. He says to God, after he said all of this stuff about his fear and his anxiety and his loneliness and his desperation, he says, not my will, but yours be done, right? That is such a beautiful picture of surrender, right? Because it's an honest picture. It's not a picture that just says, God, have your way, do your will, whatever you want. It's a picture that first says, this is my will. My will would be to not go through this, but your will be done. It's an honest, authentic, intimate connection with God. And a surrender from that place is so true. It's so deep. It's so beautiful, right? It, he's saying to God, I'm surrendering this way that I feel because I know that your way is better. I know that your plan is better, right? Brenna asked me this week, 
uh, why would God let this virus turn into this pandemic that would shut down our economy and make us stay in our houses and kill people? Like, why would God allow that? And it wasn't an easy conversation for me to have. It wasn't. It's this, that's a hard question. Always these questions are hard when we face tragedy and unexplainable, painful circumstances, right? And so we had the conversation of the consequences of uns unsanitary and inhumane treatment of animals and how that led to the development of this virus and how since God has given us the freedom to make those choices, he's also given us the freedom to experience the consequences for our choice, right? So we had that conversation, but the reality remains, God is all powerful and if he decided to stop this virus, he could, right? And that's a hard reality to look at when we're seeing it not being stopped just yet, right? Because if we could write the story, we'd go ahead and choose the miracle right about now, or maybe even a few weeks ago, right? We would choose the miracle then if we were writing it. And so what do we do in this time when we feel like we, we would write it better? We would do a different God. So how do we surrender? How do we understand? How do we make sense of this, right? Well, Jesus felt the same way in the garden that night. Jesus himself, who literally is God, still was wrestling with this, still was wrestling with this choice. Could there be another way? Could there be another way, right? But he chose surrender. He chose surrender. And he was looking at it from a perspective that could see the, the whole picture, that did know the whole story. And he still had to wrestle with it, right? Jesus was able to choose that surrender from a place of knowing that the victory would be won. And from a place of knowing that the suffering was going to be temporary, but the joy was going to be eternal, right? For us, when we're choosing surrender, it doesn't feel that simple because we can't necessarily in our human selves see the whole story. We can't, right? But I want to remind us of something today. The Spirit of Christ Jesus lives in us. If we have asked him to dwell in our hearts and redeem our lives, then his Spirit lives within us. And that Spirit in us can see the whole story. This isn't just about something we've been told that we choose to believe. It's also about the actual spirit of a God who dwells within us, who does know the whole story, right? And so the spirit living in you knows with the same assurance that Jesus knew that the end of the story would be shalom, right? Would be peace and wholeness and redemption and victory, right? Now, I'm not saying that this pandemic is God's will. Not saying it. It's not a curse. It's not a punishment. <laughs> it's a consequence. It's a consequence, right? And God's will isn't for any to perish. Let me remind you what the will of God is. The will of God is for our freedom and our flourishing. The will of God is for shalom, for peace and wholeness and redemption. That's what the will of God is, right? So when we choose surrender, when we choose to say, not my will, but your will, guys, let's remember, let's remember what we're saying by that. Because let's remember that that will of God is freedom and flourishing and peace and wholeness and restoration and redemption. That's the will of God. That's the will that we're surrendering to. And that's the will that Jesus surrendered to that night. Not my will, not my own understanding of how we get to the end of the one true narrative of redemption, but yours, right? But let me know let me know that your will is for my freedom and my wholeness and my good, my good, right? I pray that we'll know that deep in our souls. I'll pray that we listen to the spirit of Christ Jesus in us who knows those things, right? Now the next thing, the last thing, is it the last thing? The next thing Jesus did in the garden is he received strength. He received strength. Okay, and this is a beautiful part of the story. Jesus went to the garden, yes, to be honest, yes, to pray, yes, to bring his community with him, yes, to, to surrender. He went for all of those things, but he also went knowing that he would be strengthened. He would be strengthened to walk the road ahead, right? He knew his father would meet him there. 
and he knew that his father would provide. And in the moment of surrender, do you remember what happened? The angel came. The angel came and strengthened him, right? Can you imagine for a minute what that must have felt like? You picture your Jesus there, he's crying, he's praying, he's lonely, he's desperate, and then the angel comes and strengthens him. How do you picture that going? How do you picture that feeling? Part of me wants to picture like superhero strength emanating from Jesus after the angel comes and he's like Thor getting his hammer or Iron Man getting a new suit or Ant-Man when he turns into Mega Man or whatever that big giant guy is. Like part of me wants to picture a huge surge of strength and energy and superhero power. I want to picture it like that. But as I read this story, it tells me that he was strengthened, but it also tells me the next thing that happened was that he sweat drops of blood. So, you know, I don't think that his suffering was released in this moment of strengthening, right? He wasn't over it. He wasn't even really necessarily okay, right? He wasn't immune to all the feelings that he had just expressed to the father. The angel didn't relieve his suffering when the angel came to strengthen him. It wasn't like an influx of magic. But what I think was that it was enough. It was enough. You know, when we pray for strength in the midst of hard situations, I think we want it to be like the superhero kind. <laughs> we want it to be the kind that says like, I'm totally good and I can totally take this and I will manage living in my house for weeks on end with children at school and working from home. And maybe that's the kind of strength we need. Or maybe we're dealing with family members who are really ill and we're afraid and we're praying for strength and we want it to be like a superhero, right? But I found that the true strength and courage, it doesn't usually come that way, right? I might wanna feel like Thor picking up my hammer, but the fact is that when I start acting like Thor picking up my hammer, I might be able to like smash some stuff, but that's being manufactured from me and it doesn't last very long and it kind of burns me out in the end, right? That's not the strength that came to Jesus that night. And it's probably not the strength that's gonna to come to us. But what's gonna come when we pray for strength is enough, enough. That's what's going to come. It's going to come. There will be enough strength and peace and hope and joy and purpose in this situation and in all situations because that's what God does when we ask him. It is what he does for us. And it's the strength that says, I don't know how I'm gonna stand in face of this hard thing in front of me. I don't know exactly where this road is going to lead before it gets to the end of the one true narrative of redemption. I can't see every twist and turn along the trail, but I know that you're asking me to walk and I know that I have enough strength to take the next step, right? And that God will meet me there with enough every time. So Jesus didn't get up from that prayer and end his suffering. No, he suffered for several more days. But he did receive the strength that God offered him. And it was enough, right? And he continued on that road to the cross. And in continuing on that road, he saved the world, right? It cost his life and it bought our freedom. That's what happened with enough strength. And I think we're all standing on a road right now. And we are asking God, like, what does it look like to walk down this road? And part, part of it, we are all facing together, right? There's a pandemic. The literal entire globe is facing a path to walk right now. But we're all facing stuff in our individual stories too, right? Decisions we have to make, schooling and work and finances and all of this stuff, we're facing a road. And we need strength to walk it. So, what about you? How do you feel facing this road today? What road do you feel God asking you to walk down? And do you feel afraid or anxious or lonely or desperate? And if you do, it's okay. It's okay. But my encouragement is to be real about those feelings and then follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. Jesus was facing a whole lot worse situation than we are. 
right? But this is what he did. So what will we do? Will we maintain our spiritual practices of worship and solitude and stillness and prayer and gathering? Will we maintain those things? Will we press in to community when we need it most? Will we surrender to the will of the Father, which is freedom and flourishing and health and wholeness and shalom and peace? That's the will of the Father. And will we receive the strength that he offers? I pray that we will. I pray that we will. And we will be connecting with you guys to continue this conversation, to continue to encourage you, all of us, myself included, to do these things, right? I'm going to read something that we wrote for our Good Friday service last year about the garden. And then we're going to pray and then we're going to worship together for a few minutes, okay? You must have been so afraid in the garden that night. You knew what was coming. Pain, anguish, betrayal from those you loved. The greatest suffering imaginable. And yet you surrendered all of it. All of it. Out of love for us. I know there are things I need to surrender to. There are parts of my story I want to hold on to. There are parts of my story I don't want to walk through. Give me your courage, Jesus. Help me to trust our Father. Give me enough strength to walk onward. Not my will, but yours be. I'm going to ask my, my girls to come, and we're going to sing a song together this morning. But you guys, I want to remind us that we are not facing a desperate situation. We are facing an opportunity to look like Jesus. We're facing an opportunity to press into these things, our practices in our community and our surrender, so that we can receive strength so that we can receive um, direction and guidance from the Father about how we can be the church, how we can be his hands and feet in this time. Because we're going to get through this. We are absolutely going to get through this, and I believe we are absolutely going to be stronger as a community, as a nation, as a world. I absolutely believe that. And so I want us to, I want us to sing this song today from that place. Um, from the place that knows the victory is won, from the place that knows the will of the Father, from the place that is honest about our fear, but also is ready to receive peace and receive strength. So we sing this song called Waymaker, and we haven't sung it at Element before, but I'm sure you guys have heard it around. It is a very popular song. And... The words are perfect for, for where we are right now. So if you guys know it, please sing along with us in your homes um, because it is, this is a song of declaration. It's a song of declaration about the truth that we know about God and about who he is and about what his heart is towards us. And guys, it matters. It matters that we say it. It matters not only that we believe these things, but that we say them, that we declare them, and that we do it together. So that's what we're going to do today. Father God, we thank you for this time to gather together today. And we thank you for your presence, your guidance, your example. God, it is good for us to remember the fear and the loneliness and the desperation that you experienced so that we can know you better, so that we can know ourselves better and our humanity better, and so that we can choose to follow your example. So God, I pray that we would do that today. I pray that this wouldn't just be a story, but that this would be the instruction that our lives need right now, that this would be the encouragement that our hearts need right now, and that as we look to the days and weeks to come, God, that we would be filled with hope because your will is for our freedom, our flourishing, our health, our wholeness. Your will is for redemption. God, I pray for the families represented here 
in this live stream today that your peace would surround them, that your protection would surround them, that your joy would surround them. God, that our homes would be a place where you dwell, that our hearts would be a place where you dwell and come alive. And I pray for transformation. I pray that we would not be left the same after this experience, but that it would forge strength in us, not the Thor superhero kind of strength, but the strength of Christ. I pray that it would forge courage in us and that situations that we face after this pandemic would come to us in a different way because we will trust in your provision. We will trust in your goodness. We will trust in your will that is for us. God, you are for us. And so we thank you today. We ask God for your, your blessing and your protection for our healthcare workers right now, for the vulnerable and elderly in our community right now, for our leaders in the local level and the state level and the country level. God, we pray for your wisdom to know how to navigate this well. We pray that you will protect not just our country, but our world. God, and we pray that we will see the movement of the Spirit of God, drawing hearts toward you, drawing lives toward you, drawing the church together as one body to be your hands and feet. For this season and all seasons, God, may we honor you, may we glorify you, may we trust you, and may we be filled with peace and courage and strength and hope and joy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Element, we love you guys. We are here for you guys. Please reach out. If you're joining us today and you don't know us, send us a message on Facebook or YouTube. Whoever you'd like to get in contact with us if you need prayer, if you need supplies, if you need help, please reach out. We are ready and willing to help, to pray, to be here with you in this time. And um, please keep watching our social media channels and our website and our email for more information, for more content for more community, and we will be back with you guys next Sunday for sure, 10 a.m. We love you, and we're with you, and we're thankful. Have a good day, Element.